Welcome to Grace Harvest Church's weekly podcast. For more information about Grace Harvest Church or to find out more about something you hear during the podcast, visit us online at graceharvestchurch.org. Now listen in and allow God to speak to you through this week's message. just begin to learn about the Bible and you don't know it real well, and you're not sure where Matthew is, you want to go back about two-thirds of the way into the Bible and you'll find the first book of what we call the New Testament. And Matthew's gospel is a story, it's a narrative of Jesus. It's the, the narrative of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death on a cross, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension. Um, it's the story of Jesus told from a man named Matthew Levi who was a tax collector, and uh, he shares this story about Jesus. And so we're going to continue a series that we started a couple of months ago called The Blessings, and we're going to talk today, and this is a really interesting message, but we're going to talk today about what it means to be the people who are the ones who are blessed because they are persecuted. My message is, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. You know, how can it be a blessing to be persecuted? You ever thought about that? It seems like a great contradiction. Blessed are the persecuted. It doesn't make any sense. How can we be happy about persecution? The truth is, most American Christians have never experienced persecution. Sharing this message can almost seem irrelevant to us. Because this is not our experience. Some of us experience a little pushback from family or friends because we put faith in Jesus, but most of us don't really have a clue about persecution. Well, here are three reasons I want to touch on today as I talk about persecution, why we need to talk about persecution. Firstly, the Bible, Jesus, the apostles, and Christians throughout history have written about persecution and experienced it. Amen? you got to help me out today with an amen every once in a while, a smile, something. Help me out. Help my preaching, okay? Number two, Christians around the world right now are suffering persecution. We have two families here today from Nigeria. They live in the States, but they come from Nigeria. And in Nigeria right now, Nigeria is one of the hot spots of the world where Christians are being persecuted and not, not just losing their property or things like that. They're being killed. They're being martyred for their faith in Jesus Christ today. Not 2,000 years ago in a Roman Colosseum with lions and other beasts and, and gladiators. But right now today, Boko Haram, uh, an Islamic extremist group, is killing Christians just because they love Jesus. It's the only reason. That's happening today, right now. Thirdly, a day could come in our own country where followers of Jesus will experience true persecution for speaking about and being like Jesus. So I want to look at what Jesus had to say about being persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. I'm going to be reading today the entire, what we call the Beatitudes. That's the Latin word for blessings. So we're going to be reading all of the blessings. And then I want to concentrate on those three verses that really focus on persecution. And I want you to notice something as we read them. I want you to notice that there is a progression to the blessings. Okay, notice the progression and notice what comes just before persecution. Let's look at it. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, 
saying, I'm in verse um, 3, no, 2, sorry. And he opened his mouth and he taught them, this is Jesus speaking, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God, children of God. Blessed, verse 10, are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, I'm going to take this text and break it down, and we're going to look at three main points with some subpoints. And here's my first point, and that is the idea of blessed are those dot, dot, dot who are persecuted. Blessed are you. What does that mean? What does the word blessed mean? And I've shared several times in the past what it means, but here's the idea. It's a word which means, think about this, an inner state of happiness, well-being, and joy. It's the sense you get when your life is right with God, when things are good between you and God, and they're good with others, and you're celebrating that fact. And then I want you to notice that in this text, and it's the only place in the blessings, it's the only place where you're blessed twice. The word blessed are you, blessed are they, is used twice. And so this is what I I want to tell you, is when you suffer for Jesus, when you're persecuted for the sake of the gospel, you're double blessed. You get a double anointing of blessing, a double grace of God's goodness. You're twice blessed. But most of us, here's the reality, most of us avoid suffering like the plague. We're Americans, And it's not just Americans, but people all over the world. What do you love? Comfort. Come on, let's be honest. You love to be comfortable. I love to be comfortable. Right? Think about it. I mean, you have routines, right? And man, may God have mercy on anybody that messes up and disrupts your routine. Right? You have a way when you get up in the morning, that bathroom routine, that coffee, whatever you do, you have a way of going through the day, and if you don't eat at the right times, you get hangry, right? You get a toot about you, you don't want people to be around you, if you don't have certain space, if things aren't perfectly laid out for you, if you aren't sitting in your special chair or your sofa, if, if the sound is in a certain way, just think about it, we Americans are so used to everything in our world catering to our comfort. That the idea, not just of being uncomfortable, but of suffering, not just being convenienced, but being persecuted, being reviled, potentially dying as a martyr for your faith, that's shocking. We don't even want to wrap our heads around it. But that's the reality of the way many of God's people throughout history have lived and experienced. And then it says this, rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. What? Are you crazy? People are suffering. You want me to be happy about it? Yes. 
The two words here, rejoice and be glad, mean very happy and exceedingly glad. Go look them up. Do a word study on them. When we're persecuted, we should literally celebrate and be happy. You're like, no, 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 that's not real. We can't do that. Acts chapter 5 tells us a story of when the apostles were, they were, they were um, persecuted by the religious council of their day. They were beaten. They were told, don't talk in the name of Jesus. And I want to show you how they responded. Let's look at Acts chapter 5, verses 40 through 42. It says, when they called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left the presence of the council rejoicing. Again, that is a word that means they were celebrating happily, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. And you see what they did? Quit talking in his name. Shut up. Pow, 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 pow. Now go. And they went out. Woo! Let's preach some more. I mean, it didn't even move them. Because these people understood something. The Lord was near them. Rejoice and be glad. Be happy about it. Celebrate it. But we avoid discomfort like the plague. Somebody looks cross-eyed at us because we say we love Jesus. And we're like, gosh, I got persecuted for my faith. No, you did not. You had a little bit of pushback. Right? May the Lord make us a little tougher in North America. May North American Christians gain a little bit of guts to them, huh? Okay. That's number one, blessed. Number two here is, bless the ones who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Persecuted for righteousness sake. And there's two words he uses here. He says you're persecuted and you're reviled. Persecuted and reviled. The word persecute means to subject someone to hostility and ill treatment, especially because of their race or political or religious beliefs. That's persecution. The word revile means to criticize in an abusive or angrily insulting manner. The Greek word there means to defame, slander, chide, taunt, to mock, and to give a tongue lashing. You ever had somebody just brutally mock you, revile you, slander you? You know what they said about the early Christians? The early Christians, uh, they, they partook of communion like we do, and they ate, you know, they ate bread, and they they would gather together in feasts, and during the feast, they would have some bread and some wine, and they would celebrate the blood and the body of Jesus. And a, a rumor went out in the Roman Empire, a lie, that they were cannibals, that they were eating the flesh and drinking the blood of a human being when they gathered together. And it was a silly rumor, and it went out throughout the Roman Empire, and it was one of the reasons that Nero and other emperors wanted to kill the Christians, because the slander, the lie went out that they were actually eating people. Now think about it. That's, slant. That's a straight-up lie. It can be easily shown to be a falsity, and yet they suffered because of it. That's slander. They revile and persecute you. They utter evil against you falsely on Jesus' account. They talk lies about you. Peter wrote to the church in the Roman Empire about their suffering and their persecution, Peter the Apostle, and he gave them instruction about how to handle it. He follows Jesus' view that persecution and suffering for his namesake is a blessing and something worth rejoicing about. Now, I'm going to read a lot of scripture here, but I want you to follow the instruction of the Apostle Peter. This is how he tells Christians to respond when they're persecuted. Look what it says here. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 17. It says, finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart, and a humble mind. 
Just think about those things right there. A humble mind, a tender heart, sympathy, unity. If, if there was ever a time that the church in America needed to grasp that, it's right now. Because I see a lot of the other kinds of spirits and things coming out of God's people. Let's continue here. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. What's that mean? When somebody does evil to you, when somebody talks trash against you, the answer is not that you rise up louder and talk more trash about them, right? It's not that you go on social media and just, oh yeah, I'm a keyboard warrior. I'll show you. Pow! That's not what we're called to do. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to this you were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and his ears are open to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now he who is, excuse me, now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Look at this, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Look at this, yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. 1 Peter 4, 13 through 19, look what it says. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an evildoer, or as a meddler. How many of us are meddlers? You know what a meddler is, right? Somebody's always getting up in somebody else's business, right? So we don't suffer as meddlers. Look at what it goes on to say. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. For it is time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if the righteous is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful creator while doing good. Now think about this. Everything Peter just wrote there is a picture of what we call in Christian theology the cruciform. And the cruciform is Jesus in his crucified state, showing us the nature of God. That Jesus, not just when he died on a cross, but his entire, the entire event of his life on planet earth was what we call the cruciform. It was the life that came from the high place to the low place and served and laid his life down for the sake of the other and gave himself up for the sake of the other over and over again, serving, loving, and finally dying that others may be lifted up. And this is the example. When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for the sins of the world. And when he was accused, he did not answer back. And when he was struck across the face and spit upon, and when a crown of thorns was put on his head and beaten to his head with a, cat, with, with a, a reed, and when a cat of nine tails flogging whip was 
beaten across his back and his flesh was ripped and he poured out blood all over the cross and all over the ground for the sake of the sins of the world. He didn't stand there and curse his enemies and say, you're going to get it. My father's going to send angels. He's going to slaughter all of you. You're going down, baby. No, he said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And in so doing, he showed us the nature, the character, the pattern of God. And he calls all of us to embrace that pattern. Not the pattern of answering evil with evil, but the pattern of overcoming evil with good. Am I talking to anybody? And you'll see here in this text there are two kinds of suffering, two kinds of persecution. There's suffering for your own sin, foolishness, or wrong behavior. And let me just say, a lot of Christians who think they're suffering persecution right now are not suffering persecution for righteousness' sake. They're suffering persecution because they're being jerks. Let's just be honest. We see people out there, yeah, man, I mean, you know, the whole world's against me right now. You know, I'm going to go online and let them know about it. I'm like, no, that's the suffering you're experiencing, the fact that people don't like your form of Christianity or your gospel is not because you're suffering for Jesus' sake. It's because you're misrepresenting Him. You're being mean to people. You're slandering people. You're answering reviling with reviling. You're not showing the nature and character of Jesus Christ. You're showing the nature and character of the devil, right? The devil is called the accuser of the brethren. Jesus is called the intercessor. He intercedes. He advocates on behalf of sinners, right? But the devil comes and accuses people and tells them how wrong they are and how bad they are and how evil they are and what sinners they are and that they're the enemy. That's what he does. And that's what we see happening. And a lot of people are doing that in the name of Christ. And then when there's pushback, they say they claim persecution. But it's not persecution. They're not suffering for righteousness' sake. They're suffering for foolishness' sake. And they're making Jesus look bad. Am I talking to anybody? Secondly, there is suffering for righteousness' sake. That is when we do the right thing and we act like Jesus. And the Scripture says this second kind of suffering is blessed. It's a suffering to rejoice over. Smile about, be happy about. That's the kind of suffering we see a lot of Christians around the world going through, where they're acting like Jesus to the end, giving up their lives with pleasure and joy. And I'm going to illustrate that in a minute in a very dramatic way. Lastly, it says, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean? God's kingdom comes to us in His power, presence, and love right now. Not just when they die. But those who suffer persecution, they experience the kingdom of heaven right now. What does that mean? There seems to be, in the history of the church, if you've ever read books on um, martyrs, on people who've suffered, if you've ever read stories even of modern day people who suffer, one of the things they say over and over again is, when I was in the middle of it, I experienced a closeness from God I'd never experienced in my life. And it, it made, it was almost like the suffering made me closer to God, right? You see a story in the Bible, the first martyr in the New Testament is Stephen, around about Acts chapter 7, Acts chapter, yeah, Acts chapter 7. And when Stephen is being stoned to death, he's the first martyr for preaching the gospel boldly. As he's standing there and they're throwing stones at him and the stones are hitting him, it almost looks as though he never experiences any pain from the stones. 
Because what happened in that moment, he looked up into the sky and the heavens were open. And he says, and if you know the Bible, the Bible teaches that when Jesus died on the cross, was buried, rose again, later, 40 days after that, he ascended into heaven and he took his throne. And the Bible says he ascended on high and he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God. But when, when Stephen looked up into the heavens at the moment of his martyrdom, he saw Jesus standing. And it's almost like Jesus was at the finish line of Stephen's life, and Stephen had been a faithful man, and he's standing up and he's going, come on, son, come on home, come on home, you're about to cross the line, and it's, it's like we don't see anything in the text that indicates Stephen suffered. Instead, he looked up and saw the glory of Jesus, and we hear those kinds of stories throughout the history of the church, that when people suffered, when they were persecuted, when they were martyred, they experienced the nearness of God like they'd never experienced in their life. And he says, yours is the kingdom of heaven. Not just when you die, because when you die at that moment, there's a great welcoming committee. And they're like, you followed in the, in the pattern of your master. Peter, who wrote those words I said to you a few minutes ago, Peter was crucified upside down under Nero. And when he was crucified, they took him to crucify him, and he said, I cannot be crucified like my master. Please don't crucify me like Jesus. I'm not worthy. Crucify me upside down. And they crucified him upside down. That's how he died. That's how he gave his life for the faith. And then he says, Your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Wow. The scripture seems to indicate throughout the book of Revelation and other places that martyrs are held in special esteem in heaven. And then when we stand before the Lord in heaven or in the new heavens and the new earth, one of the things that's going to amaze us is when these new ones come in, I should say, the, the, the martyrs come in. When the martyrs are brought in, all of us are going to be like, there they go, the real heroes of the faith, the ones who gave it all, who poured out even unto death. Look at what Hebrews chapter 11, verses 35 through 38 says. It says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. Wow. In the Gospel Herald in June 7th of 2017, this story appeared. It says, the South Korean missionaries that were rescued after being held hostage by the Taliban have said that they felt the presence of Jesus in such an incredible way while in captivity they wish they could return to prison. Francis Chan wrote this. He said, speaking at a conference hosted by Rick Warren's Saddleback Church in California, Chan shared a conversation he once had with one of the 23 Korean missionaries captured and held hostage by the Taliban in Afghanistan in 2007. He talked about how they got into this argument because they found out they were going to be killed by the Taliban one person at a time. This man I was having dinner with said this to the other guy, one of the other pastors there in the prison. He said, look, I know they're going to kill us one at a time, so I die first, Chan says. And the other man said to him, no, I die first. The first guy says, no, I'm your elder, I die first. Then the other one says, no, 
you've not been ordained as a pastor. He pulled out the pastor card. I am an ordained minister. I die first. That man was the first one that was executed. Two male hostages, one a pastor, were executed before a deal was reached for the group's release by the South Korean government. However, several of the 16 female missionaries and six male missionaries who were able to return to Seoul, South Korea, have said that they wish they were all still captives of the terrorist group. This is what they said. These women that were in these camps with us, they come to me and they say this to one of the pastors. Pastors, don't you wish we were still imprisoned by the Taliban? They tell me, when I was surrounded by these soldiers, I felt the presence of Jesus in there with me. Now that we're back in Seoul, I am trying to experience that intimacy with him, but I can't. I fast and I pray, but I don't feel it. I would rather be back there because of the intimacy I had with Jesus in that prison. Now we understand how the Bible can say, blessed are those who are persecuted. Because Jesus comes, his kingdom comes, his presence overwhelms, he sustains, he gives strength in the moment. Some of you might ask yourself, I don't know if I could handle it. I don't know if I could take it in that day. I'm not sure. Some others I've heard boldly say, yeah, if I had to die for my faith, I could do it. And I find myself saying, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I think I could. I hope I could, but I don't know my own heart. And I've come to see in my own life that unless I start practicing every day, dying to myself, dying to my selfish ways, not trying to hold on to my way or the highway, but trying to take his way. The apostle, excuse me, not the apostle, C.S. Lewis, (laughs) the apostle C.S. Lewis Lewis had an interesting thing to say. He said, at the end of life, all of us will stand before the Lord and it'll come down to two choices. You'll either be received into the presence of God because you said, not my will, but thy will be done, or you will not be received into the presence of God because throughout your life, it was not thy will, but my will be done. And so as we learn daily to take up our cross and to lay our lives down and to seek the benefit of the other and to lay our life down for the sake of the other, as we learn the cruciform way and we go the way of Christ and we're giving ourselves up, we're practicing for that day that if we ever had to face the reality of laying our life down for the sake of the gospel, we could do it. But if we're just Christians in name only who live selfish lives and we right now can't die to a little bit of self-preservation, what will we do in the moment when it's all on the line? Now, we'll tell you this. The beauty is, at that moment, the grace will be there. Corey Ten Boom said years ago, if she had to suffer, she didn't know if she could do it. Well, she was asking her dad, and her dad said, the Lord only gives you the ticket to the train when you need the ticket to the train. God's grace is sufficient for the moment. The blessing comes in the moment. And he'll be there for us. But right now, we can practice by embracing the way of Jesus, by being living martyrs. That's what the word witness means. When you talk about being witnesses, go into all the world and be witnesses. When the scripture tells us to be his witnesses, that word is martus. It's the Greek word for martyr. And what does it mean? Those who live as though they're dead to themselves, but alive to Christ. This is practice time. Amen? Am I talking to anybody? Can you imagine feeling the presence of Jesus so strongly while in prison and being persecuted that you longed to return to prison? I mean, I'm not there. I admit it, Lord, I admit it. I'm not there, but I want to be. 
It seems that when many of the martyrs through history were dying, that they experienced visions or an awareness of God that was greater than at any other time in their life. Maybe we're too attached to this world. Maybe, maybe we're too attached to ourselves. Maybe we'd experience more of the presence of God in our day-to-day lives if we really learned to embrace dying so that we might live in Him. Amen? Why don't you stand with me?